All right, you guys get ready for this. So this is training to to toddlers and how, no. <laughs> My name is Nick, Dr. Nick Goff, and uh, yeah, I've been in ministry almost 40 years, and so I'm going to talk to you about what's a passion in my, my heart is, uh, is seeing the operation of the Holy Spirit to bring people into the kingdom of God. And uh, let me see, I, I, uh, what do you want to know? I'll just tell you my background. I just got done with one class. Just wrote a book. Uh, I really feel passionately about that we need to operate as four square pastors in the things of the Holy Spirit to see people come into the kingdom of God. It's just really, really easy to have to do this. So I'll talk to you today about just the most practical ways about how to bring healing into your church, and then I'll give you some methodologies and some theologies, and hopefully some practical experience. Um, I got my doctorate maybe five years ago with a guy named Randy Clark, uh, Global Awakening, so I work with him. I teach online classes for him, and then I teach at a seminary, and then I, uh, I uh, travel a lot, and especially like places like Wildlife, places like that. So welcome. They wanted me to have you share your testimony. Can you OK, OK. <laughs> so let me just back up. I've been in ministry 40 years. And uh, we, I've, I've sporadically seen miracles happen. But probably the last 12 or 15 years, we see miracles on a regular basis. I can look back three weeks ago. And I'm the chaplain for our, our police department. I get a call out. It's a dead baby friend of mine, which makes it even that more dramatic. The baby's been dead an hour. We show up, we pray, and uh, and the baby, probably five seconds after we started praying, the baby came back to life. And, and um, one of the detectives that was there shows up to my church. He's a little freaked out. He's like, dude, that freaked me out. Like, you prayed and that baby got Bible signs, like, right back. That's nuts. And I really believe this, and this is like my book, or kind of like my whole theme of my doctorate is, in a postmodern culture of which we're at right now, right? right? Yeah. That the apologetic or how we bring Jesus to a, a culture that doesn't understand anything about it is the charismata or, or the prophetic. Mm -hmm. And the reason I believe that is because that's how Jesus did it. <laughs> you know, Jesus shows up, there aren't any Christians, and we have become post-Christian that today the third largest unreached people group in the world is inner city U.S., okay? And so you're going to come up, and I was just with a kid. I do a lot of things with YWAM, uh, Youth Without Any Money. And, um, <laughs> young women after men. I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's horrible. So, uh, and I am there, and, and it, it just gets to the point, like, man, I'm really, my heart is, like, let's just leave here and go outside, because there's just so many people that just need the reality. They don't need religion. They don't need church. They need an encounter with a God that loves them and he's real. And so I was just in YWAM in Spokane last week. And I'm with a kid, and I'm not going to say the name of the group that he's from, but a very cessationist, we don't believe in this group, antagonistic to the things of the Holy Spirit. And he's just killing people in the streets. You know, like, you're going to go to hell. And he's doing this methodology stuff. And, and that might work, but, you know, it's just. So the YWAM leader's like, Nick, take him with you. Right? Just take it with you. And I'm like, awesome. So I'm walking down the street. We just walk over. I hear God's voice. Now, can we just get, get rid of this? Old Testament covenant, New Testament covenant. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fall upon people. So, for example, the Holy Spirit would fall upon Saul, and he would start to prophesy. 
the Holy Spirit would fall upon Samson. And now he's doing mighty exploits. But in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 8, we're recipients of a new and better covenant. The old has passed away. And in that, there's, there's how we interact with the Holy Spirit has shifted. So John 10, 27, my sheep. You got any sheep here? Yeah. My sheep hear my voice. That is normative Christianity. John 16, 13, the Holy Spirit is a person. Not a force, right? Like, we have almost sometimes like a Star Wars mentality, like, look, that's not it, okay? He's a person. You don't quench him, don't grieve him, don't despise prophetic utterances, right? And he speaks, and it's just normative, right? So I'm walking down the streets with this kid who doesn't believe any of this, and, and I look over this guy, and I hear the Lord say, and can we just get like through it, like, difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy? Old Testament, Deuteronomy 18. You have to be right 100% of the time. Otherwise, they stone you. Kind of like Washington State Bob Marley Stone, okay? <laughs> but in New Testament, 1 Corinthians 13, 9, we know in part, we prophesy in part, and if New Testament prophecy was 100%, why would Paul say, let two or three prophets prophesy and the others pass judgment? So we gotta get it, you got to get over this as a pastor, okay? Little risk, little return. Or let me put it another way. Proverbs chapter 14. Where there are no oxen, the stables are clean. Are you, you know what I'm saying? So this stuff gets messy. We just get over with it. Anybody have kids, grandkids? I love them. They're a mess. <laughs> so we like new birth, but we get here anyways. So you're not going to be 100%. So if I use terminology like fill sense, whatever like that, get over with it. Because how God speaks is not linear, right? We want like linear, give me A, B, C model, and it doesn't roll that way. Because in Hebrew, some people would hear God and be called a Nabi prophet. That means they hear the still small voice, 1 Kings 19.11, still small voice. Then you got Raha chosen prophets. Where they're seers, they get pictures, and they, they, they see, they, they, so you hear God in a lot of different ways, okay? But I'm walking down the streets of Spokane, and I felt like I heard the Lord say, and I'm with the cessationist kid, this guy broke his back. And I go, hey, sir, did you break your back? And he's like, yeah, I did, I broke my back. How would you know that? Well, we just believe Jesus speaks. And so, can I pray for you? I lay my hands on his back, and he's, he's doing like the Catholic thing, right? His eyes are closed, you know, spit through Santa doing that. He looks at me and he's just like, whoa! Eyes are like saucers. He's like, what the heck? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, he goes, I go, is your back better? He's like, no, but something just left me. And I heard the Lord say, his name is Randy. Randy, you once knew Jesus, didn't you? He starts crying. Yeah, and he starts telling his whole life story. I lead him back. We lead him back to the Lord, like right there, right there. Boom. He comes right back to Jesus. He, then he says, this is really crazy that I met you. I go, why is that, Randy? He goes, I was just going across the street to rob that liquor store, and I meet you. So we went over to the liquor store and received an offering. It was really cool. <laughs> right? And so, listen, I, I just want you guys to shift in how we're thinking, and, and when we're talking about healing and miracles and how we're doing this, I, I love telling the story, like, in where I live now is Montana. I was born and raised in Southern California, and so I'm used to the beach. I used to tell the Lord I will go anywhere in the world you want me to, as long as it's near a beach, I'm shifting my whole thought. I will not go to Tahiti. I will not go to Hawaii. But uh, the other day, I was trying to fly fish. Now, people literally come from all around the world to fly fish in my backyard in the Missouri River, and they take these big boats and they fly fish. I tried to fly fish in my hot tub the other day. 
I used dry flies, wet flies. I tried for 45 minutes. I did not get a bite in my hot tub. Can you believe that? That is so crazy. So then I tried to use plastic bait in my hot tub. I didn't catch anything. You're going, where are you going with this story? You know what? We try to fish in our church for lost souls, and they're not there. you got to go into the river where they're at. So we will take people from our church, and I'm so politically incorrect. I really don't care. In my city, there are 110 casinos. There are a lot of fish there. And so we will go in the casinos and do the stuff. And I've, I'll tell you the story. Uh, I'm with my associate pastor. So we're, we're there, and I do a lot of stuff with YWAM. I sit down. This waitress comes out. Hey, I, I'm a pneumatologist. No one knows what that term means, right? It's a John G. Lake term, pneumatologist. I get things from heaven. And uh, I was like, hey, and I start prophesying over this waitress. Three minutes, she gives her heart to Jesus. She goes in the back. She grabs out another waitress. Do that to her. Do that, do that, whatever that was. That was good. Do that to her. So we pray for her, prophetic word. She gives her heart. So in ten minutes, two waitresses give their heart to Jesus. Third one comes out, right? Now you got to imagine, this is the vigil. She's smoking a cigarette, right? What do you want? And I go, hey, now we're just hearing God's voice. Can I pray over you? Give her a prophetic word. Does that make sense? No. My friend across the table, he gives her a word. Does that make sense? No. Now we're over for 2. Can I just say, in doing the things we're going to talk about today, don't get your identity and your accuracy or how many people get healed. Because if you take credit for when somebody gets healed, you need to take credit when they don't get healed. Our identity is not in our doing. Our identity is sons. And if you have an identity in doing, you have a servant heart. If you have a servant heart, you have a master. And you're always trying to please him. And if you mess up, you're dead. don't do that, okay? We're sons and daughters of the king, right? So third lady comes out. We both miss it. I put my head down. I felt like I heard the Lord say, this is the deal. you got a daughter. Her name is Michelle. She's four years old. She's like, yeah, boom, gives her heart to Jesus, okay? So signs and wonders follow us. Are you with me on that? Because we're born again. And so we're four square, not two square, right? We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we believe in healing. Are you with me on that? And so, as a pastor, there's several different ways that you can operate getting healing going, okay? Number one is a word of knowledge. Now, let me backtrack, okay? The church that I've been at for 13 years, okay, in Montana, we started off with 100 people. It is substantially larger than that, okay? We are known in our city as the weird church. Get over this, okay? Christianity is weird. You cannot have Christianity without miracles. Amen. Or let me put it another way. Here's Paul going into an unreached people group in Thessalonia. And he says, in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, When we came to you, we didn't come in word only, but in power and the Holy Spirit. Let me just say that again. How do we reach an unreached people group? Power and the Holy Spirit. And so, as a pastor, you need to eliminate the stigma. Can we just get over this? Christianity is where? We are a miracle-based religion. You cannot have Christianity without miracles. Do you guys believe in a virgin birth? Yeah. Do you believe in the death and resurrection of Christ? Yeah. That's weird. That's supernatural, right? For example, I have five daughters. If my daughter, if my youngest daughter came to me and said, Hey, Dad, she's 18 years old. Hey, Dad, I'm pregnant. By whom? The Holy Spirit. I'd say, I want to meet the Holy Spirit because I believe in the five-fold ministry and the laying on their hands. <laughs> I want to meet that by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 
So as a pastor, and I'll, I'll go through this, but the easiest way, the church we came into now, when we showed up, I was interviewing with the council, and I go, where do you guys reside with the Holy Spirit? They said we're Holy Spirit light. I wasn't sure what Holy Spirit light meant until I started doing a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. I am feeling so much pushback from the congregation because they hadn't had a word on the Holy Spirit in about seven to eight years. So there is this like demeanor of like, uh, you know where you're talking about something that's beyond awkward, you know? So I started laughing. I'm up on the pulpit. I just started cracking up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to take a picture of you guys because I'd be better off talking about tithing and tithing to me than I would about the Holy Spirit because there's that much pushback coming. And so, so we had a process. And so in this processing, the easiest way to do this is don't despise small beginnings. Right. Come with a group of people that are going to follow your vision, right? And words of knowledge. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's going to talk about our attitude. And our attitude, if I was to ask you right now, our attitude is how many of you believe we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind? Yes. Two people, that's awesome. <laughs> Right? Okay, three, I got rid of You believe that because God dictates your attitude. And he dictates our attitude with spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says, do not be unaware or uninformed. So he wants you to be students of those nine gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Of those nine gifts... Four, maybe five, are revelatory gifts. They involve hearing the voice of God. So I'm going to equate healing with hearing because, and I'll give you a methodology and I'll do this, all, all this other stuff. I'll give you some theology and roll through that. But sometimes you need to hear the voice of God in order to do the things of God. And as a pastor, it is way easier as you're praying, and I assume you pray, you write your sermons out and you pray, to ask God, Lord, who do you want to heal in our service today? So when I look at last week, I don't have to look back months, we see people on a regular basis. This last week, a lady with Murph's, Murph's disease, a neurological disease, when she came up, she goes, I have Murph's. I thought she said Smurf's. I'm like, bam, I, is that a demon? Or like, what is that Smurf's? <laughs> I see little blue things around you. <laughs> it was a neurological disease. I know it's a Wake up, okay? <laughs> so anyways, I'm like, what is that, right? She gets up, she walks, she's completely healed, okay? The first time I did this, his, I've been in ministry almost 40 years, right? So I have a friend of mine, his dad is a four-square pastor in Hamilton, Montana, and he works at the International House of Prayer in Pasadena, and he oversees their school supernatural ministry. And he's like, Nick, he goes, you're like, like one of the most prophetic people that I know. He goes, how come you don't see more miracles? I go, no one's ever told me how to do this. Four square pastor, 25 years, I've been in 40. And he, and he goes, it's easy. Just ask the Lord who he wants to heal. So I'm going to take a risk. Now, let's just back up. Little risk, little reward. I like what John Wimber says, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So if you're going to roll in this stuff, you got to be willing to take some risk. Okay? And if you don't take risk, you're going to be like... A lot of times in pastoral show, we were like, we're like, oh man, I want order, this is the service, and this is the order and all this. I believe you can instrument this in your thing, but you gotta be willing to take risk, okay? Because if you're gonna take any risk, your identity's not in doing this, but you gotta take some risk. 
So that's my first time. I'm like, okay, God, who do you want to heal today? I felt like the Lord said there's two women who have immune deficiencies. Now imagine you got the layout of your sanctuary. This is a packed Sunday first service. And there is a woman sitting right here. She is a first-time visitor. Now, we all know, don't violate the rule of first-time visitors. Don't embarrass first-time visitors. Love on the first-time visitors. But don't single out the first. It's like, it's like the unwritten rule. Are you with me on that? I didn't know that. You should have told the Holy Spirit that. I go, yeah, I was praying today, and I felt like the Lord saying there's a couple people that have, like, immune deficiencies he wants to heal. And I felt like it's two women. If that's you, stand up. I'm not right. This lady stands up. Now, it's her first time in church, okay? She's never even been to church, okay? So you imagine a scenario. She's getting prayed for. She looks up. She looks at a friend. What's up with this? You live in a tough city, right? What's up with this? Honey, just praying for you. No, what's up with this? Honey, he's just praying for you. No. What's up with this? I, I don't get what you're saying. Why did they turn the air conditioner on me? Honey, they didn't turn the air conditioner on me. Well, there's wind blowing all over my body right now. What's going on? <laughs> Completely healed of fibromyalgia. Uh, and you know what's really funny? You know what her name is? Wendy. <laughs> Wendy, that's her name. She gets so stoked, she goes home, gets her husband, this truck driver, and goes, if God can heal my fibromyalgia, he can heal my husband's back and neck. Like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Pray, neck, back, boom, 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 they get healed. He gets saved. Are you with me on this? Yeah. And so the easiest thing to do is ask God, Lord, I want to hear your voice because it's normal. And write it out and take risks, right? Now, let me just say, I'm not going to do a hearing God thing. That's for another day. But still, small voice, however God speaks to you, step out, right? Whether it's in pictures, Daniel 4.10. Isn't that funny? It says, it shall be, not a maybe, a shall be in the end days. Wow. This is what I love. Your old men will dream dreams like a multitask. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Your young men will see visions. What's a vision anyways, right? Well, Daniel 4.10 tells us pictures we have in our mind, okay? Wow. So I'm speaking in Virginia, right? Another first-time visitor, right? I didn't know this. I'm speaking at some Pentecostal Holiness Church. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I go up to this guy. I go, hey, man. I go, first, I didn't wait the first time. I've got a picture in my mind of white pillars, red brick house. The number's 2439 on it in black letters. Doesn't mean anything to me. Give what you get. Whatever you give, get. Don't try to like interpret it just because it's not for you, okay? I see a picture of a red brick house, white pillars, number 2439. Does that mean anything to you? Because it did it to me, and he goes, yeah, I live in a red brick house, white pillars, 2439. Then they quickly said, Lord, what are the winning lotto numbers? <laughs> 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 All right. So words and knowledge, as a pastor, the easiest way to get a healing thing going in you, but you got to be willing to take risks on this. i got a video uh, I'll show you. This is like a camp video. And just the impact of one word and how it can change other people's lives. And so this is my wife, by the way. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. So this is, let me back up on this this is a girl, you know, it's like youth camp, 500 kids. You just hear God, and all I heard the Lord say was, broken hip, eight years old, right? That's all. And I'm not going to pray for, like, a little girl lay hands on her hip, awkward, right? So I go, hey, you, come on over here. Pray for her. I never thought I'd see her again, right? What the effect of one word can do, and here, I'll play this for you. Hey, everybody, this is my friend, Aria. Good job. <laughs> and uh, a year ago, I, I had her speaking in, in Maple Valley, is that right? 
I had a word of knowledge that she had broken her tailbone eight years ago. When I was eight years old. Close enough. Yeah. And uh, I just never thought I'd see her again. So what happened, yeah? So what happened was I broke my tailbone when I was eight, and the doctor said, you know, we should just leave it alone because her pelvis isn't fully formed, uh -huh. and it will probably heal itself. But what ended up happening is it affected the growth of my spine and my pelvis, which affected my arms, legs, and everything. And my chiropractor had said, that by the time you're 21, you're probably going to have a very severe case of arthritis. And that was on a Thursday, and it was a Friday that I loved to go to the camp. And I just was kind of pushing it out of my mind because I didn't want to think about that. And then you, you were like, did you break a tailbone when you were eight? And I'm just walking down the road of the camp, and to be honest, it kind of shocked me. I was like, oh. And uh, you just, uh, you said, nobody touch her back because the Holy Spirit is going to touch her back. And I want her to know that that's what's going on. So people were laying hands on me, but not on my back. And you started praying, and I felt cold hands going into my back and rearranging my spine, putting my pelvis where I was supposed to go. And this chick who had her hand on my on my hip felt it move. And she was like, oh my God, it's moving. And, uh, like, and my bones were just put to where they were supposed to go. And after camp, it was three days later that I was supposed to go in for my follow-up appointment. And I decided that I wasn't going to tell my chiropractor anything because if it, if it happened, then she would notice. And she got me on the examining table and she took some measurements and then she just started crying. And I actually felt her tears touch my shoulder because I'm face down on the table. And I like turn around, like you're not really supposed to move on the table, but I was like, everything okay with that? And she's like, what happened? And she's like, I don't understand what happened. You're completely okay. And I got to tell her about Jesus. And she just was beautiful. That's weird. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. One word. One word. One word changed her. Because see, what you don't know, I know her pastor is in Seattle and she's a knit. This is the deal. She'd been struggling with sexual identity, right, stuff. And she goes, that transformed her life. Touch the doctors. See, when we do the kingdom of God stuff, right? And remember this, 1 Thessalonians 1.5, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power of the Holy Spirit. So we're trying to reach groups that do not know Jesus as Paul was. How did he do it? Power and the Holy Spirit. And that's it. Listen, it's not going to come from another, let's just do a church broke. It's going to come from power and the Holy Spirit to change our culture. Are you with me on that? Yeah. So let me, let me roll through and I'll give you some theology on this and see so you get an idea. This is four square, so we believe in healing. Are you okay on that? Where we get our theology is systemic in Azusa Street. And so in Azusa Street, let me point some people out to you so you're familiar. This is William Seymour. William Seymour is one of the catalysts or the catalysts for the outpouring in Azusa Street revival. But by the way, when God poured out in Azusa Street, the first person he touched that started speaking in tongues was a woman. Named Agnes Moorhead, okay? But William Seymour, it's 1906. What did that even look like in 1906? 3,400 lynchings with African Americans only because of their skin color. It's horrible. And he's going to get excited about the things of God. When William Seymour, this is so cool, when William Seymour would preach, he'd have a box on his head, take the box off, put it down. And he was noted all the time. Like people would come in with prosthetic limbs and things, and he goes, sir, take that prosthetic leg off. It's easier for the Lord to grow it. And people would take their prosthetic legs off, and legs would grow out. This is, this is my favorite William Seymour story. A man is in an industrial accident, right? He gets his arm ripped off, and it's noted that he has a cavity in where his arm used to be. So he comes in with a prosthetic arm. 
And William Seymour says, sir, will you take that arm off? He takes the arm off, right? And he leaves it. William Seymour starts to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but as William Seymour started to pray, I'd be like, look, you got to know. <laughs> I know. That is, you got to know. That is awesome. <laughs> but what catches me about William Seymour is he doesn't quit praying until he, a nub comes out, elbow comes out, hand comes out, wrist comes out. And this is where it is. He doesn't quit praying until the fingernails come back on the man. That's pretty cool. Are you with me on that? And so William Seymour, right here, who's friends with this guy, Smith Wigglesworth, is going to say, a hundred years from now, 1906, is going to come a move of God that will make what happened happen in Azusa's Street pale in comparison. Like, like, hey, newsflash, that's us. This is our time. This is our time. This is our time to see signs, wonders, and miracles released. Because he said, it's going to happen in such an exponential way that you aren't even like, it's going to make the average person that's going to do this. And so, this is a guy right here. His name is F. F. Baca. Uh, John G. Lake is right here. John G. Lake. And if you don't know John G. Lake in Spokane area, he'll start the healing rooms. John G. Lake would want to do things scientifically. So, John G. Lake would take malaria, put it in a peach tree dish. And we'll have other people, scientists, watch it, and in the name of Jesus, he'd curse it, and they watch the malaria die. Wow. Is that cool? Yeah. That's what they even look like. In the name of Jesus, that, oh no, it's Jesus. I just know. Yeah. That's really cool. Right? And then, so this guy up here, Smith Wigglesworth, he's the guy, man. This guy can't even read or write. He's out of the Salvation Army move. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He can read or write. He's going to do some crazy things that I'll explain. Because his theology really dictates how he operates, okay? See, really what you believe is what you do, okay? And I'll get into that a little bit today. But he would take people that had, like, cancer, and he'd hit people in the stomach that had cancer. Crazy. He has a sick baby, he kicks it back to a mom. And I mean, is that nuts? Is that nuts? I'll explain to you why, what happens, because you need to think about that. And then here in the middle here is a guy, and his name is F. F. Boswell. F. F. Bosworth is where we get our tradition, our theology on healing, and it's healing in the atonement. If you aren't familiar with F. F. Bosworth, he disciples a guy named A. W. Tozer. Wow. A. W. Tozer, Pentecostal. Can you believe that? Bam. Right? He disciples A. W. Tozer. And so F. F. Bosworth's gonna write a book that every four square pastor should read called Christ the Healer. And this and this theology comes about in this. Healing is in the atonement. Now, some people are going to argue we don't believe healing in the atonement. Oh, yeah, it's fine. Healing in the kingdom of God. Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is newsflash on this. Cancer's not in heaven. What does heaven even look like? Well, you go, this is awesome. This is awesome. The, the tennis balls on my walker are covered with Teflon. It does not look like that, okay? And so, yeah, so he's going to talk about healing in the atonement. In, in, in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the chastising for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, by his stripes, we have been made whole. And so if I was to ask you, how many people here believe that Jesus died for our sins? 
Yeah, greater response. There's, we hate this time. This is good. We're coming along, okay? So you believe Jesus died for our sins. So in atonement theology, this is what it looks like. What else did he do at Calvary, right? What else did he do at Calvary? He became a curse, the, 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 right? Crown of thorns, a curse, and by his stripes he made whole. So if you preach with conviction, you must be born again, and you look at people like Smith Wigglesworth, by his stripes you've been made whole. And so that baby that's sick, he felt like the Lord said he kicked back, and he's healed, right? And so there's something about conviction versus preference. And so when we get that passion that I'm coming in the name of Jesus, I'm an ambassador for his kingdom, and I'm an ambassador, I have all diplomatic authority of the kingdom that I represent. Wow. I'm coming in his name. Yeah. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. I'm coming in his name. I, I'm an ambassador for his kingdom. And as an ambassador for his kingdom, it's not my power. I represent this king. And I have all the power that he has. I've been delegated to him because I'm an ambassador for his kingdom. That's not a feeling. That's not an emotion. It's a reality that we need to walk through. Okay? I go to the hospital like a week or two ago. This woman was like, hey, Pastor Rick, will you pray for my friend? Child, pray for your friend. Pray for her. I leave the, I leave the room. Her friend goes, who is that guy? He goes, our pastor. Did you see that? See what? The guy had like light coming out of his eyes. Light and I said, what was that? We come. It's not a feeling or emotion. Like, oh my gosh, Holy Spirit's here. I got Holy Spirit goosebumps. Balls. Woo! Don't do that. It's a reality that he's with us. You need to have a confidence that, that we're born again. Why with the price? God chose you to be in this place and in this time. Stop listening to the chump, the accuser. That's what I call the devil now. I know I call him the chump. He's just the chump. He's the loser, okay? He's the accuser of the brother. You can't do this. Oh, you can't do this, man. No, you think you can lay hands on us? Mark says the signs wonders follow us. You guys believe? You guys believers in this room, right? They follow us. It's the king's bread. So you have to work it up or get all emotional. There's been times I don't feel spiritual. I get a call from my mom. I got a great aunt. She's dying, right? My brother doesn't know Jesus. He's a mess. My brother, we go out to pray for my aunt, right? I wasn't feeling like, there is no need of fear. It's Catholic spiritualist here. <laughs> my aunt had, had zero cognitive abilities. She's on death's bed. She's emaciated. My brother's not a believer. He's like, dude, let's just get out of here, man. She doesn't even know who we are. I go, let's just pray for her. I put my hands on my aunt's hands. My aunt pulls herself out of bed. What? Whoa! You have the light. You have the light. I want the light. I want the light. My brother, no true story. My brother runs outside. He's in the parking lot. He has two cigarettes. Smoking two cigarettes. Because that was weird. Dude, dude, dude. She's talking about Jesus. She's talking about Jesus. I don't think she's talking about Bud Light, okay? So, so the, the, the ministry, if you're going to follow the ministry of Jesus, Good. A third of Jesus' ministry was devoted to healing. One third of Jesus' ministry was devoted to healing. So if we're going to be a follower of Christ, then our ministry needs to reflect his in that popular culture. Are you with me on that? Yeah. Right? So a third of his ministry. And why is that? Because because what we just saw right there. When you come into a place and somebody doesn't believe, I'm not living in an argument anymore. It's like, oh my gosh. I don't know how many, I'm in the streets, man. I'm in the streets with this Russian kid, like in, in Portland, in, in Portland, Oregon, by Voodoo Donuts. And I, I speak at Y1. It's like day four, this kid comes up. I don't believe a thing you've said. I know it. That's how my teaching rolls. 
I go, his name is Sasha. I go, bro, just hang. We'll see at least a couple of miracles. Now, that's not pride. Or, I live in Montana. There's more cattle than there are people, okay? And so there's people. And so we literally, we literally, I'm here with this Russian kid. I literally turn right here. I see these two girls. Now, don't get offended on this, okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 25. Prophecy is, right? So the unbeliever will fall on their face and say God is real. When I'm on the streets, I'm not going to say what I'm going to say in church, okay? If I'm in church, I'm going to use church language, hey, I pray, whatever like that. But I'm there in front of this person. Don't get offended, but it's worth Hey, I do spiritual readings. Can I give you one for free? Okay, yeah. just get over it. Okay, yeah. you okay, okay. Just get over it, okay? Yeah. I do spiritual Can I give you one for free? These girls go, we don't speak English. I go, what do you speak? Russian. I go, this is Sasha. Word in knowledge. Sasha, ask her if she's just in a car wreck. Speaks for in Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just in a car wreck. Ask her if her neck is a mess. They go, yeah, her neck's a mess. I go, Sasha, you put your hands on her. We're going to pray. He prays, boom, her girl, her neck gets healed. We walk down right here. I see three homeless people, two guys and a girl. I hear the Lord say, this girl here hasn't slept in two weeks. She got kicked out of her house by her boyfriend. What do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? Yeah. I got the streets of Portland, right? Everybody there is weird. It's awesome. <laughs> I go, hey. I go, and this girl, I said this. I go, hey, I don't want to get weird. I'm a father of five daughters. I'm a pastor. I'm a grandfather. And, and, and my heart's breaking for you right now. Now, can I just say... Listen, don't get into denying your accuracy. Get into denying with the king. And whenever you pray for somebody, the most important person is the one in front of you that you want to love that person no matter what. Because he is the king of love. If you don't love, 1 John 4, 4, God is love, right? If you don't love, you don't know God. So none of this other stuff matters, but, but am I going to love this person? And my heart just broke for her. I go, man, I, I, I love you, man. And, and the Lord's telling me, like, you haven't slept in two weeks. Your boyfriend beat you up. You got thrown out on the streets. You got this PTSD thing going. She goes, that's right. And I go, and I ask permission all the time. I go, can I just put my hand on your shoulder? And I want you to close your eyes. And we're just going to pray the peace of Jesus. And so I start praying the peace of Jesus. And she's just sobbing. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. And she lifts her eyes up. And she goes, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, yeah, what? you got this, like, strange mystical presence all over you. What is that? I go, it's dandruff. <laughs> so let's get over just some of the theology stuff on healing. Because healing is like... But number one is this, words of knowledge, hearing God's voice are the easiest way in a pastoral context to minister healing and just go ahead and do this stuff. Now you want to train your people in how to do this stuff. So the culture we're in right now, we had zero training, zero development. I'll give you a methodology and I'll talk about it, but I want to hit the theology part first. first. It comes in the healing and the atonement and how that, how that operates. First thing is, is, is like, well, it's God. God has put this sickness upon me, and it's God's will that I'm sick, right? Now, my Bible says in James 1, 17, that every good and perfect gift is coming down from the, the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation. So how is it possible, how is it possible for a good God to send sickness to earth when there's not sickness in heaven? And think about this, right? If it's your will, Lord, that I'm healed. Oh, that drives me bonkers. Now, I believe that God is greater than my, my theology, okay? But if it's the will of God that you are sick, then me, this is the logic side of me, if it's God's will that you're sick, and I'm praying that you get healed, I'm praying against the will of God. So you better know where sickness comes from, and it's not in heaven. 
Sickness comes to the earth in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall. Right? That's where it comes. And so you want to roll like Smith Wigglesworth. I am coming in the name of Jesus. And that's not a part of the inheritance that we have in this kingdom. I'm praying, Lord, that your kingdom come on this person now. Do you get the difference in that? So where there's ambiguity on this, or you're questioning it or you're doubting, know that you know that you know. Adam and Eve opened the door up. And I think God gets a bad rap every time that we're talking about this. It becomes apparent when we follow the ministry of Jesus. If we want to know what God is like, we need to know what Jesus is like. Right? Jesus says this, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And Jesus only did what he sees the Father doing. Right? So let me put it another way. John 10, 10. Anything that steals, kills, and destroys is not from God. Is that real easy? Yeah. Life, life abundantly, that's what Jesus gives out. So if it steals, kills, and destroys, put on your armor and let's get ready to rumble, right? Let's do this. Are you with me on that, right? So that's how Jesus operates, right? Jesus is going to operate on this is how I'm, uh, I'm coming in. So when I take a good look at Jesus' ministry and what he did, I'm going to start off with the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, I want to back up in the beginning of Jesus' ministry because Jesus is in the desert for 40 days, right? And the enemy is really messing with Jesus' identity. Yeah. If you really are the Son of God, turn these, rocks into, turn these rocks into bread. If you really are the Son of God, then turn this. you can jump off this pinnacle and you're going to have his angels catch you. See, he messes with us, right? If you really are a follower of Christ, if you really think that you have this, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. Something needs to raise up in you, okay? When you hear that voice, like, wait, not, wait, but I know who I am in Christ, and I know my identity in Christ. So we start off in Matthew 4, 23. Jesus is going to come in. He's going to come out and be baptized. And in verse 23, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease. Can we say every kind of disease? <laughs> news about him spread all Syria, and people soon began bringing him all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease or if they were demon-possessed, or epileptic, or paralytic, he healed them. He healed them all. Jesus starts his ministry off that way, a third of his ministry. So if you think two kingdoms in conflict, we're coming with his kingdom saying, this is not in his kingdom. We're here to bring you out and bring, bring healing upon you. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus delegates authority. He has the 12 disciples, brings them together, and he says, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. He gave them authority. Yeah. Now, the Greek word for authority is exosia. And exosia is kind of like, if you're going down, I don't know where y'all live. If you live on the West Coast, there's the 405 or the 5 freeway, okay? You're going 150 miles an hour on the 405 freeway. And behind you, you see like these lights and they're spinning. Now, what do you do? Drive faster. No. <laughs> you pull over. Why would you pull over? Because you realize the authority that's been given to that to pull you over. You have exosia from the kingdom of God, and he delegates it out. So does this almost seem like presumption sometimes? Are the two good to be true? Because yeah. in John 14, 12, he says, greater things shall you do, because I go to the Father. So good. Greater things shall you do. And can I just say this? God's a respecter of no person. Right. I got five daughters. That alone will keep a guy praying. Are you with me? <laughs> <laughs> and when my daughter right now, she's Isabel, anyway, she's going to college right now in Walla Walla, Washington. When she was 13, she's in Brazil. And in Brazil, like, like she's down there, and I call her up, and she's FaceTiming me, and like, hey, honey, what did you, what's going on? What did you see God do today? She's just like really nonchalant. Dad, 
pray for three people that were deaf today that they got their hearing back. Come on. I go, I'm like 13. I'm just like, oh, stop. Okay. I go, you prayed for three people today that got their hearing back. I go, honey, is that the coolest thing you've ever seen? You're like, uh-uh. I saw something cooler than that today, Dad. I go, what did you see cooler than three deaf people getting their, their hearing back? She goes, Dad, I prayed with a girl that had pterodactyl hands today. I'm like, what do you mean pterodactyl hands? You know, Dad, those deformed little hands? And Dad, as I prayed, I saw in front of me, I saw them grow out in front of me. These things, it's, 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 they follow what, if my, only to point this, this example out, if my 13-year-old daughter, she doesn't have like, she likes, well, what do you think? Oh, he's a jerk kid. No, she's a normal spaz kid. <laughs> Are you with me on that? I mean, she just, she just got there and believed God, and she's going to step out in these things, and no one told her she couldn't, and we're getting religion telling us we can, when the Bible clearly teaches these things will follow those who believe. And so, listen. So is it God's will that people are sick? I just went through that, right? How can that even happen? How can that even be, right? Uh, if you want to know what the Bible says about healing, we look at that. We see in Acts 10.38, Jesus was anointed to drive back God's, uh, the works of the devil. We, we look at why Jesus came here on this earth in Luke 19.10. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's part of our, listen, it's really easy to seek and to save the lost when you do the stuff. When they see that, you're going to, Listen, when they see that, they're going to go, what the heck? How did you do that? And it doesn't become religion to them anymore. It becomes like, how did this happen? Right. And when you do see a miracle happen, don't just go, because sometimes you're amazed. Like, oh my gosh, I just, that is nuts, right? <laughs> right? So sometimes you're a little overwhelmed, like, whoa, that's nuts. Take that opportunity to lead them in the, in the kingdom. Yes. And so when I'm looking at these things, he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to testify to the truth. For this reason that Jesus said, your king, I was born for this, to testify the truth. He came to destroy the works of the devil. First John 3, 8. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Sickness and disease, our role, we've come to destroy the works of the devil. Are you with me on this? Yes. And so how we have this up, let me give you a methodology that you can implement into your churches and how to roll in healing, okay? Um, is that cool with you guys? Yes, sir. Okay. So I work with a guy named Randy Clark. And uh, I teach for him, and, and I'm going to get his five-step prayer model that he has gotten from John Wimber, okay? Now, we do this in our church. Everybody in our church has been through this, our ushers, our greeters. We have a culture, okay? Now, I'm going to point this out. Healing or prophecy or everything, so many times in our churches, it's an event and not a culture. It, instead of, it, it needs to be a lifestyle and not an event. What does that mean? It's a non-negotiable for us. Okay? This is who we are. Right? We're forceful. We believe in this. Not just intellectually or mentally assent. We do this. And you do what you believe. If we had time, I'd be like, we're going to go out into the streets and do this. Right? It's just really easy. So you're going to see times you're going to knock it out of the park and you see times that you're going to blow it. Okay? So I'm going to do a five-step prayer model. And this is the first thing I'm going to do to a person. I'm going to come up, the first step is the interview. Okay, the interview. So I'm going to ask them, hey, what is going on with your, what's going on with your body? Tell me about it. Do you have a, di a doctor's diagnosis on that? Um, how long have you had it? What's your name? Do you need it? Do you know the cause? Uh, you want to find out what's going on with them. In the, in the interview, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask them, ever been to the ER? Okay. You go to the ER, you got the happy face, and you have the sad face, okay? So you're going to ask them, on a scale of 1 to 10, what pain level are you in? 
okay? Now that's good, okay? I'm speaking of some pastor's thing, and, and, and this guy is just really antagonistic to me. He's like, you know, Dick, this is you. Da 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 da. He said, I could tell that he was hurt and bitter, you know? So I'm, I'm like, and I'm not going to react to him, but I'm like, Lord, what's going on with him? Wow. And I felt like Lord saying, his wife is really sick and a lot of pain. Wow. And so I get it now. I'm like, okay, now I have a heart for him, right? I'm not combative. And I'm like, hey, bro, is, is your wife okay? And he's kind of disarmed him. Like, why would you say that? And I go, because I just felt like the Lord saying, like, your wife's been in chronic pain. He goes, yeah, my wife's been in chronic pain for the last 20 years. I go, on a scale of 1 to 10, what level she's in? Age. My wife is addicted to opiates, and it's been a mess. I go, is she here right now? She is. I go, hey, come here, man. My wife is there, right, with me. I'm like, so can we just pray for you? So we start to pray. And as we start to pray, I'm going to ask her. I'm like, I'm going to ask her, uh, not yet. I'm going to, we start to pray. Her pain level starts to drop. Wow. I go, what level are you in right now? She goes, I'm a six. Wow. We keep praying. We keep praying. Now, can I just back up? We get somewhere in our theology, not biblical theology, that Jesus always healed instantly. Right. Right. Remember the story of the blind person? Yeah. Mark? Jesus prayed. He goes, what do you see? I go, I see men that look like trees. He prayed again. If Jesus has to pray twice, okay, if Jesus has to pray twice, just get over it. Okay, get, get over yourself. Get, get our identities out of this and get it into his heart because love in that one in front. So I'm praying for this lady and she's going through this and we keep going down. It's a level eight. It's a level six. It's a level four. It's a level two. And I go, Robin, you just keep praying for it. And Robin prays it's like it's level zero. This pastor was so cool. This is what I love about healing because you saw that one, right? You see, she's so he's he's his wife gets healed. He got healed in his own heart. Wow. He's talking to the concierge. He's got the concierge in the hotel, like, you ain't gonna believe this. My wife has been in chronic pain for 20 years. I'm listening to him. And she just got healed. Can you believe this? He's all excited, man. So interview. How long you had this? Know the cause. And this is important, okay? I'm prophetic. I like just to prophesy with people, but I want to know what's going on with them. The second thing, and can I just say this, whenever you pray for somebody, they get healed. And it's areas like leukemia, cancer, have them go and get a medical verification. Yeah. Don't tell them quick tip. Don't tell them not to take your meds. Have them go to the doctor. Why? Because if they're healed, they're healed. And then they get to testify that they're doctors. <laughs> like, I got it. This is such a cool story. I tell too many stories. I'm sorry. No, it's good. So I'm chaplain for a policeman, and, and so I, I'm out with this guy. First day, he's a field training officer. I hop in the police car. He's like, listen, man, I don't want to talk anything about Jesus at all. You copy that? Copy like that, sir. <laughs> so like in my office later that week, this guy's in my office, and he's crying. And I figured out his wife left him because like 95% divorce rate. And so he's crying, and I'm like, Steve, what's up? He goes, listen, bro. He goes, I just came back from the oncologist. He goes, my mom died at my age with a melanoma, and I just got back, and he had this big purple thing on his ear. He goes, I just came back. They diagnosed me as stage four cancer. They gave me 20, 20 to 30 days to live. So we pray. We pray. I get a call back. I wasn't feeling spiritual. I get a call back. I'm not going to tell you the verbiage he used, but Pastor Nick, I'm having the best day of my life. Because that's how he talks. And uh, I go, Steve, what's going on? Well, I'm at the oncologist, and what's happening? They're going to fly to me Seattle. Why? Because they don't know what's going on with my body. Steve, what's going on with your body? I don't have a trace of cancer at all in my body. <laughs> so you want to do that. That's the interview part. The second thing is the type of prayer. I want to explain this to you. Okay? The petition prayer looks like this. Jesus, would you heal? And that's how your prayer is. Command prayer is like Smith Wigglesworth's in prayer. 
Now let me explain, let me unpackage a command prayer because I can't command anything. And so it almost has the connotation like I'm commanding and that's not the, that's not the heart of this. A command prayer like Smith Wigglesworth would pray is, I'm an ambassador from Jesus. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And therefore, as a representative of the authority of Jesus, I'm commanding you to be healed. Does that make better sense? Yeah. But I'm not like, like doing that up, okay? I'm going to go through command prayer. Then the next second is I'm going to re-interview prayer ministry and ask the Holy Spirit to come. And so when I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come, I'll say, Lord, Holy Spirit, come right now. I'm going to ask the person not to pray, and I'm going to keep my eyes open, okay? I want you to keep your eyes open while you pray. That sounds weird, doesn't it? People are like, Jesus, can you hear me now? My eyes were closed. No. You want to keep your eyes open, especially when you're praying for people, because uh, you want to know what's going on. You want to see what's happening, okay? For example, I have a friend of mine. He's praying a demon out of somebody. He's casting a demon out of somebody. He has his eyes closed, and the girl wipes up a gooby, spits. It goes right to his mouth. He's like, oh. And then he started laughing, and she's laughing. He goes, hey, it was all wrong, man. I'm laughing with that demon. It's just wrong. So, <laughs> so keep your eyes open, okay, when you pray. So flip the next one up, Rob, and I'll get you guys through this. Okay. Ask them again what pain level they're at. So I'm going to stop the re-interview. What's going on with your body? Are you feeling anything? And ask them to do something they haven't done before or couldn't do. So a lot of times if you're praying with knees, feet, or something like that, I go, I want you to move around and do something that you haven't done before. And what you're going to see is sometimes it's gradual. Like, if you're praying like, like, okay, in my church right now, we have a, a, a girl, Danielle Kine. She was quadriplegic. She was in a wheelchair, right? And so they pulled Danielle out, and it was a gradual strength that started to come to her, right? So she's out, and she gradually started to get strength, okay? And so have them do something you haven't done before as long as they are good with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're praying for them, and you're like, are you okay doing this? And I'm going to stand around as long as I can to be with you until they tell me to stop, okay? So the acrostic is push. Pray until something happens. Okay? And I'm going to keep praying until they, until they say, okay, I'm done or good. I, uh, when I was going to school, we put in a 14-hour day. Randy Clark, this guy, he said, hey, Nick, will you come pray with me? We put in a 14-hour day. And I don't know you guys, but, but 14 hours of sitting in a class, that's like purgatory. Are you with me on that? <laughs> yes. I was just like, please, Jesus, deliver me out of this class. So we've been there all day, and I was really tired. And so Randy goes, hey, we've been asked to pray for this professor. I'm like, okay. And he goes, Nick, I know you pray for cancer. You've seen cancer. Would you come with me? I'm like, what an honor. I get to go with Randy Clark. And so we sit down, and this is, I learned more from just observing Randy than I did through any book. Because mm -hmm. Randy's going to get down on his knees for two hours. He's going to be in tears and empathetic with the one. This guy's literally prayed for tens of thousands of people to be yeah. healed. Yeah. And he's going to sit there. And what I saw was the love of Jesus that he had. Whoa. Now, can I just say as pastors, we're busy. So you, you need to convey that love, whether they do or they don't, for that heart. And you're going to stay there and you're going to pray and re-interview and do all this stuff until they tell you to stop, right? Stop and re-interview. Prayer suggestion is, hey, man, I want you to continue on. If you lead them to Jesus, you lead them to Jesus, okay? Now, can I? where do we go from here? How many people want to see more signs, wonders, and miracles in your church, right? Okay, I'm going to pray that God would release that to you. Paul makes a charge to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14. That's 1 Timothy uh, 4.14-15. And he says, this is Paul's charge to Timothy. Timothy, take, do not neglect the spiritual gift that was bestowed upon you through laying on the hands of elders. 
take pains with these things, be absorbed in these things, so that your progress might be evident to all. Let me just rewind it, okay? Take pain, be involved, study. You as a minister of God, we get so distracted by doing all these different things and all these different books that we're reading, but if you want this in your church, you need to be a student and a practitioner. That's good. That's really good. And it's painful. It's really humbling, okay? It's very humbling. It's awesome. You're going to love it, okay? I'm going to pray for you guys, but are there any questions? Anything that you guys have think and questions about? About implementing this in your church ministry or anything along that line or resources or any anything along that? Yes, sir. So in your regular weekend services, how do you incorporate in the weekend services kind of just so this is this is what we do in our church service. I had a uh, I had an observer in my city go around and check out all the all the churches. So he's not a believer, but he comes back to me and he goes, you know, all the Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches in our city, they're all the same. And I go, what do you mean they're all the same? They all do the same thing. Do any of them have a place for the Holy Spirit? You're like, no, nah, man, they. They start off, they do their greeting, they do their songs, they take up an offering, they do their video announcements, and the pastor preaches. I go, but there's no room for the full Holy Spirit. No. So in our church, what we do is what we have it. We have a we call it. We value the we have a culture of the altar. And so our, after a couple of songs in, I will come up and go explain. We have a value the culture of the altar. And so at the altar, we believe you can give your heart to Jesus. You can get prayed for. They get sick, there's something going on, but we, we implement that into our service and into our worship, so people can stand, or they can come forward, they can do all that. Otherwise, what I was doing is, I was calling out words of knowledge all the time for healing, and no one else was involved, and I didn't feel like we were discipling as well. So, we call it the, the value of the culture of the office. So, you schedule that into your service? Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, when, when that guy said that, it's like, oh, they're all the same, and I'm like, yeah, we're all, what, what great, like, I believe in this, I do this, right? But I'm the guy calling on words of knowledge every service, and now it's like, like there's just so many more people that are involved, right? And you know what's exciting as a pastor is when it's not me and somebody else, right? It's like, oh wow, you know. So, yeah, somebody else. Yes, sir. You said um, you learned more from hanging out with with Brandy than you did from any book or anything. But um, I, you know what, being around Randy, Randy has this value of impartation. And I, I question that, like, I question, like, the whole value of impartation, but I really feel like, like, it's actually legitimate. I've seen an exponential increase probably in the last 10 years of just signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. Are there, so. if we can't get to Randy or Randy can't get to us, are there any books that you would suggest? Could you talk about resources? Um, if I was going to resource you with books right now, I'd resource you with one of my favorite books, uh, When the Old Becomes New. It's a great book. <laughs>
It was a killer prank. <laughs> right? You guys are awake! <laughs> then I go and I pray. I pray for, uh, I go out and pray for this guy, Leonard Lumbee. Zero faith, I'm feeling a swine flu, all his organs are shut down. We pray, and the next day he woke up and all his organs restored, all his organs were back. Yes. Um, I asked the same question if you know the Just I look at something like Acts 12, where it says that the, the Lord gave King Herod the struggle with the sickness. You know? right. And then he died. And so for me, it's a little hard to make the jump of like that sickness is never from God. It's not so look, at, look, look, look in the context of Job, right? Yeah. Satan's coming to God saying, hey, let's, when I look in the context of Job, Hey, and then it got, the only reason Job served you is because you take such good care of him, right? So you can't give sickness out. What we see is Satan coming out and going and releasing it and bringing it to that one. So it might be a better example if you look at Job. So, yeah. And I'm not dogmatic on that. I just know there's not sickness in heaven. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Uh, yeah, Nick. I really appreciate this. And I admit I'm growing in my understanding. I'm probably a little bit like the dad, uh, I believe, but help me in my Right, right. So I asked this question in that, just to know a little bit about me. How do you, what do you say or what do you tell people when you pray for them and God doesn't heal? Yeah, so let me back up, and that's a great point. Let me tell you never ever is praying for the sick. So word of faith theology is going to try to, try. we always try to like, we want something to explain. It's called theodicy. Why do bad things? We always want to explain away, like, why this didn't happen, or how come one person got healed or another. And so it kind of deals on the theodicy. Um, I wish we were Russian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox because they have a theology for the mystery of God. I don't know. Um, I don't know. The mysteries of God, right? The mysteries of God and how that operates. But I will tell you what not to do. And that's when we're trying to make an excuse for what happened. Right. So if you come from a word of faith background, they're going to say, well, you have sin in your life. Yeah, yeah so do you, right? Yeah. However, <laughs> there are, we're all sin. We all fall short, right? Um, but however, there's times you're going to pray for somebody, and there might be an area that they need yeah. to forgive, yeah. bitterness. Yeah. And you're going to see sometimes people get healed just if they have. And you got to listen to the Holy Spirit on that, right? Like, I hear them saying this, and, yeah. you know, do you need to forgive? And sometimes you'll see people get healed, healed that way, okay? So sometimes that yeah, thing could be it. The thing that really bothers me with the word faith is like, well, the reason that you need to heal is you don't have enough faith. Yeah. Which my response is, then you pray for me, and if I don't get healed, then it's your faith. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to faith, there's three dimensions of faith. There's my faith, there's a person in front of me faith, and there's God faith. Okay. So sometimes I might have faith, but God supersedes them, right? Like that guy in Columbia, I was talking about had zero faith, and I'm. I had zero faith. I had the God's faith, maybe his wife's faith. I don't know yeah. how that operates. So what I do is I come alongside of them, and, and I just I weep, okay? I just weep. When I pray for that, did I tell you the story about praying for the dead baby, uh, like a couple weeks ago? I went into the officer, and uh, I'm coming in, and all the hierarchy of the police are there, and my heart instantly broke for my friend John. I, I started crying alongside him. I just started weeping with him, right? And so I'll, I'll weep with people, you know? I just... Hey, I love you. I don't know. Let's just keep praying. Okay. So it, we always come up trying to make explanations why God didn't heal and having a formula. And the bottom, and the end of the day, He's sovereign. He's King of all kings. He's Lord yeah, of all so lords. Good. I do know that He loves us. Yeah. I do know He loves you. 
and I want to I want to influence that. So, yeah. But when we see his pastorals, we always get that right. Like, what's the deal on this? You know, we're trying to explain it away. But you know, I just know he loves you. I love you, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I was on a mission trip a while back, and of course, it's very visual and there were others on the trip that struggled with that. It, it was an amazing mission trip, and, and the pushback I was hearing from them, and I, you know, I didn't know how you did it, doing my thing, but they, their concern was that people would uh, feel like their salvation, they had to get saved in order to get healed. Right. You know, they, so they were like, you know, they, they were wrestling with that. How would you explain that to some of them? Well, yeah, the, right. So a lot of where Jesus is going up to the Sea of Galilee, he's healing all that were brought to him. They weren't saved yet, okay? Right. Right. So they're still under, they're used to going to the Jewish people, they're still under law, they weren't in any of that. So, uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with, you know what it does is this, is so many times we have like what I'm going to call slave mentality, like yeah. if I perform, if I work harder, yeah. I'm going to be loved by the Father, and if I do that, and that's religion. Yeah. So religion looks like this, you know, religion's off performance, right? So religion, it comes to your devotional life. Religion says you have to read your Bible an hour a day, otherwise you're not worthy enough to meet God. Relationship says I get to spend an hour a day with the one I love. Right? So I, I just take them like, here, man, the right here in the Bible, what does it say, right? Jesus healing everybody. It wasn't nothing about being born again or being good enough or anything along that line. So, yes, sir. I resist that kind of religious spirit. I have to pray long enough for I have to pray to your you ever experience like amen oh, it's up to me if I'm willing to keep praying then you know maybe just, you can get some of that I can struggle with that yeah so <laughs> it's like when we're in a class like this in the context we want a formula tell me ABC right so this will happen okay yeah. God's not linear uh -huh. okay he's, he's, he's dynamic yeah. now is prayer factor in this yeah does praying in the spirit increase our anointing I think it does it, right? I pray in the spirit, I fast twice a week, I pray all the time. Is there a correlation between my praying and that? Maybe, I don't know, but there's other times like, I'm a busy pastor, just like you. I have a wedding and a funeral, I gotta go and preach. Sometimes I come in and like, oh my gosh, it's like four o'clock, Saturday, six o'clock service, we do three weekend services. I just pray 20 minutes, and then it's just like, oh my gosh, bang it! And there's other days I come in on Saturday and pray four or five hours in the spirit and strike, yeah, you know, so I, I don't know. I just I it, I think it's in the frame of relationship. Yeah, and like I'm in love with him, and he's in love yes. with me. And so you know what? He loves me. He loves me. I might blow it. He still loves me. God is love. There's nothing I'm gonna do. So yeah. Is that, yeah. Somebody else? Yeah. I know that God loves us. I I show the Bible where it's telling us that God loves us. And we stuff like this. Let's see how the chaplain disabled Mary Beckham. I have so many people that have been in battle, that have shot, killed, or been shot, and stuff like that. And you know, they, they thought, it's hard to explain to them that the partial, the love of God, of, of, you know. I know I get it. I know I'm a, I'm a police chaplain, we deal with trauma, we deal, I, I, I've experienced the most horrific things. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced it myself. I've been out there, seen it, having to wipe stuff off of me. Yeah, so I, I get the PTSD thing. Um, how, I don't know how you deal with it. How can you actually deal with it? And, you know, okay, 
without making it sound like, hey, I'm holy to you know, and you start praying, you know, trying to say all the right words, and, you know, there's no right words, there's no sense. Well, if you're a chaplain, then you understand the ministry of presence. And uh, I know I've got tragic calls. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, they want a Catholic priest. I'm like, I'll be Father Nick. <laughs> and, uh, and I just come out, and it's horrific, horrific. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Yeah. And this one guy just drops down. He goes, oh my God, thank you. I think we undervalue that he's with us in the ministry of presence. Does that make sense? So I don't have to explain it. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah, no. Just say, just say, hey, come Holy Spirit. You, 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 and that lady on the streets, my heart's breaking for her. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And it's just like the Lord is pouring out his love over her. And sometimes just, Lord, pour out your love over these guys. Lord, just let your presence be on these guys. And I think we undervalue the, the ministry of presence. Yes, anybody else? Yes, sir. Um, as a lead pastor, my question would be, should I lead along these lines, or should I equip more so along these lines? Because we have people in our midst that are very evangelistic in their call, and they go yeah. out it, it, need, it needs to have your validation, and then I would have pastoral oversight of it. Good, yeah, release them to do it, right? And then this is the this is the thing with spiritual gifts. Proverbs fourteen says, "Where there are no oxen, the stables clean." It's going to get messy, but you got to be willing to correct it. If New Testament prophecy, it's not one hundred percent. First Corinthians thirteen nine, we know in part, we prophesy in part, right? That's why in 1 Corinthians 14, when a couple people prophesy, the others pass judgment, right? You're going to have to clean up the mess. So if you're willing to clean up the mess and go for it, then go for it, okay? But you're not going to see it happen until you, right? No, that's the choice of pastoring, isn't it, Cole? Yeah, that's cool. Anybody else? I do a lot of drugs. <laughs> I, I, I do this. Is, um, it's really weird because by, uh, by my nature, um, I'm, I was very extrovert. Um, but Peter Sarzu, that you heard again uh, this today, probably 10 or 15 years ago. I started in the church now. It grew really, really fast. And so how I get encouraged with, I, I value in my church, we have two 24-hour prayer rooms. And um, like my daughter is about one time, I'm like just out of control. She's three years old. She comes up, I'm like, oh, I got all this stuff to do and schedules. And she's like, dad, you're freaking me out. <laughs> Stop, little three-year-old. Close your eyes and pray. So I started doing that so that anytime that I feel stress, anxiety, panic, I stop. It sounds weird, but I acknowledge that I'm not in control. God is Lord over my emotions. Amen. And if my emotions, there's stuff that you can do that's called the examine and nature uh -huh. It's a prayer model that you can do to help track the flow of the Holy Spirit throughout your day. Um, it's really kind of a, I don't know if you're familiar with like theophosic prayer, but it's really a way to go, okay, my emotions aren't lining up with the Spirit of God. And so if my, if my spirit is out of alignment or I'm and I'm going to stop praying the Spirit until I have peace, and then I'm going to come back. That's how I encourage myself. I don't get encouragement by, you know, he's, 
for me, I will pray, I will see God, I meditate on the word, and that's how I get encouraged, okay? This is what I do. So I, I meet up, like, okay, here's for example. Um, I'm doing my, this is what it looks like to me. Like the kid Randy I just prayed for. Um, I'm, I'll give you another story. I'm in this, I'm working on my doctorate. I have to go to the bathroom. I pass the edge of this bar. I see this lady. The Lord highlights. I have a feeling, burden, whatever for this woman. I go, hey, I get messages from God. I go, have you been like in three bad marriages? Right? She's like, yeah, this, she's with this guy who's just jacked, man. Sleeves, just... You know, I live where it's <laughs> So he's like, oh, that's amazing. I walk out, I come back, and then he's like meeting me at the door, like, hey, man, anybody can do that, man. I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm in trouble. And I go, so anybody can do it, you give me one. And then he's like, well, and I go, Lord, tell me that your dad left you when you were one and a half years old. You've been in and out of prisons, and the Lord is looking for you right now. I didn't ask him if he wanted to get born again. I just put my arms around him. As I did this kid in, in Spokane the other week, I just put my arms around him. Go, Father's been looking for you your whole life. And right now, it's just, uh, Father, just come in. So he prays and asks Jesus in your heart, right? That's what I do. And uh, it was so funny with that guy because he's like, so what do you really do? I'm a pastor. I want to come to your church. I'm like, I'm in Montana. <laughs> so I want to know, like, if I'm with why I'm there. And then I was just in Spokane. I know Joe Whitworth's there in the Life Center. And so I go, hey, man, I got this friend named Joe Whitworth. Go by, see him, but I want to connect. If I'm in doing evangelism, I want to know where I'm at and what other ministries are there that I can connect with. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. 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 And this, I'm at a restaurant, and I go, can I just, can I give you, and the lady's like, no. 
and I just went ahead and did it anyways. <laughs> I just went like, I just, I got a word for you, man. So I just kept it, and uh, and then she's like, that was really good. She went back out to cook, go do that to her, okay? So, but I'm a, I want to bring him to Jesus right away. And what I, is, I, did I explain that right? Was that hidden in the crux? What were you, did I miss what you're saying? Uh, Help me! <laughs> what you saying, you said, I try to eliminate the well, I'm going to eliminate, like, um, if I'm going to come up, I, d I don't want to get in intellectual debates, although I'm a, I'm a student of apologetics, I can yeah. argue apologetics. I want to be able to give this word to this person, 1 Corinthians 14.3, that's going to build strength and comfort them, yeah. okay? Yeah. And so the, I'll, sometimes I'll small talk, you know, hey, what's going on, what's happening, if I'm with YWAM, I'll tell them, we're part of this class, we have to pray for three people, can you help us out? Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I'm part of YWAM. I got to pray. They're making us pray, man. So can we pray for you or whatever that looks like? That's what I mean. I just want to be able to give a word and, and touch people's lives. Thank you. Yeah. <coughs> Any other questions on this? Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Signs, wonders, and miracles be loose. 
Father, we're, we're the tribe of the Foursquare Church. We believe in this. So, Lord, I pray loosing it of miracles right now in the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders and miracles be loose now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Is there a woman in here you got a thyroid issue? Is there a person in here with a thyroid issue? Anybody with a thyroid issue? Oh, right here. Okay, so thank you, Jesus. So I want you guys to lay hands. Lay hands on her. Father, we just command that thyroid to be whole now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you guys to pray. Just you guys pray, right? Thank you, Lord. Does anybody have an irritated Achilles heel? Just keep me on the word Achilles heel. It's you back here. You get right here, okay? So keep your hands up around them. Okay, you guys are pastors. Lay a hand right behind you. Pray for him. Pray for him. Thank you, Jesus. So this is like words of knowledge we're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody having any eye issues? Is there a person here with eye issues right back here? So, ma'am, we just pray right now. We just command healing in your eyes right now. Thank you, Lord. We just pray against that glaucoma. We pray against that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody here with that's having disc problems, ruptured discs, discs in your back that are messed up? Anybody with it right here, right there? So we pray over that. You guys get around and pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want you to move around, do the thing you haven't done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're feeling the Lord doing anything, that you're like, okay, I feel like I'm getting better. I want to see your hand raised. Like, okay, I'm feeling healing in my Achilles. Father, I pray for that Achilles back there. Thank you, Jesus. Would you know, by the way, so you're doing an interview, would you know if you're healed? Is a good one. Father, loosen that back up now in the name of Jesus. Just, sir, just kind of move your back around. Thank you, Lord. Loosen that up right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come Holy Spirit. More, more. More, Lord. More, more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you feel everything? Anybody feeling any relief? Anything going on in your body? You feeling any? If you, if you feel any, raise your hand. So that was an Achilles heel. You felt like that got better, right? Your, your Achilles heel got better. Your neck got better. Give the Lord a hand clap, man. Yeah. Right. So listen. Be a student of this. I cannot wait to see you guys like a year from now. Just seeing what God's going to do in your church. Father, I pray, Lord, I, we, Lord, we pray over this. Father, a restoration of healing in Foursquare. Yeah. That when people come to our stream, they'll go, this is a healing stream, and yeah. the, the, the streams of Foursquare. Father, loose this now. Lord, because of these men and women here, the kingdom of heaven is going to grow bigger, and the kingdom of hell will diminish. Yes. In the name of Jesus, yes. amen. Yes. amen. Yes. All right, you guys.